Um, <laughs> if you guys haven't heard of Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution yet, you're in for a treat. Gold Boys Wholesale and Distribution is all about innovative, top-quality products from their own clothing line to brands such as Cookies and Supreme. They have delicious CBD drinks, lip balms, bath scrubs, vape pens, gummies, you name it. Ryan loves the lip balm. It's your time as lip every balm? show. Got to be more prepared for to this. To show next it. Day. There we go. Look at that. Um, Great logo. Is it weird to product. share lip balm? Is that a thing you should not do? Um, um, yeah. I think most people share. That's what I was going to say. I don't they know. They do? I'm a yeah. share. Really? That yeah. means you kissed that person. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Are we in middle school? <laughs> yeah. Blood relatives only. Anyways. Relatives. <laughs> do you share toothbrushes? They also carry their own Denver made <laughs> line of CBD around. products <laughs> as well as Quantum Muscle Rub, Rehab X, and many more. Or check them out online today and have products shipped straight to your door. The inside of their Smoker Boutique is something you have to see for yourself. If it was designed, it was designed to inspire, motivate, enlighten people. I am reading this, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just and it does just that. Uh, I screwed you up, and I'm if sorry. If you can make it out to their <laughs> shop, remember to browse their products online at goldboys303.com. That's goldboys303.com. You'll receive 30% off site-wide on. Oh, where everything is gold. <laughs> go where to everything is if gold. If you want to buy things in bulk, go to call 720-372-9843. Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Scott. Um, first off, welcome to the Denver Sports Podcast, presented by Breckenridge Brewery. And I got to tell you, Breckenridge Brewery is Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits Brewery of the Month. No surprise, they're the best brewery ever. But um, download Strong their agree. app and enjoy a six-pack for only seven ninety nine all month long. These two gentlemen to my right, Drew Creaseman and Adam Mardis, are enjoying some Vanilla Porter Juniors. Don't yes. forget about Rudo. Do me, oh, do me Rudo <laughs> also. With my Rudo. can like well, see, that. Yeah, okay. they've got the bottles. It's a little more professional. I do think it's a little better. Oh, I see how it is. <laughs> oh, some wow. beers are canned beers and some are bottled beers. I think that the Vanilla Porter Juniors are I'm the only person with a collared shirt on this whole podcast. <laughs> wow, I'm classy. the least professional. What a classy. Drew's got like a oh. mock collar I'm sporting Breck. I'm also wearing Breck. I'm drinking Breck and wearing You know Breck. what your collar doesn't I have mean, is a wolf? Yep. I think Ryan wins That's the t-shirt uh, battle. Hard to argue with that. Not is to it, get too much into my life. I was going to say, <laughs> is this the part where we spent too much time talking about our lives? But I did. I found this at a gas station on a road trip this weekend. <laughs> One of my favorite uh, gas station finds of my life. Well, it was worth it, man. Look at That's the gold great, eyes. Yeah, that, <laughs> they much? follow you around the room. It's really cool. Um, $14.99. Quality <laughs> Honestly, it was two for 25 but I was in a rush. I mm. probably could have found a better deal. Yeah. 
Um, so sports, like wow. I said on the live already, this podcast, the mood everyone is in before the show, I feel like it's going to go off the rails. So maybe I'm if you're in. not about <laughs> our lives, oh, um, no. and a fun podcast, it's don't listen bad. to this one. Just this skip pod, it. This pod might not go the way we drew it up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and with that, should we start talking about the man of the weekend, the Who? man of the hour, Who? Drew Locke. Man Ooh, of another. the month. Man of man the of decade. The mo- oh, Did something no. happen? No, no, wow. no, no, no. Did no. I? My favorite Drew, to be honest. <laughs> oh. oh. Terrible. Wow. 100%. Absolutely terrible opinion, of course, but I, I really appreciate it. I did the uh, the audio story for Andrew Mason's uh, story about Drew Locke, and so it was a story about Drew written by Andrew, read by Drew, and I'm just <laughs> very incredible. excited for the new era of Colorado sports that we've entered here. Damn, should Mace rebrand to Drew Mason? He basically Ooh, has to he now. He does have to. I no. mean, the first game, it was nothing but Drew Locke, and then Draymond Jones makes a big play. And I tweeted out Dre Day and everybody celebrating, and it was lost completely. On yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. That didn't take yeah. off? It wow. It did not. <laughs> it didn't really hit as your, ins- or no as your one Snapchat got it. name, uh, really, either. I love when you throw out a tweet that you're just so Insta. confident in and nobody retweeted. <laughs> you're just like, man, <laughs> this was such a good one. You're all wrong. Yeah. Happens all the time. Almost every, every so, tweet. So back to Drew. Um, the Broncos have hmm. won two straight games. And they beat the Houston Texans. Houston Texans. Sorry, you guys are really distracting. <laughs> um, the Houston Texans this weekend, and they had they scored on their first five opening dri- or their first five drives. That was crazy. Yeah, and I they mean, scored over twenty four points. I think Joe Flacco scored on five drives total in eight games. <laughs> so uh, to see five in a row was uh, pretty miraculous. And. They broke the 25-point curse in the first half. Drew, like, here's the thing about this, is this wasn't one of those things where it's like, oh, the team, like, carried Drew Locke, and he just kind of made a play here and there. No, like, Drew Locke carried the team. He put a whole team on his back and took them to 38 points in uh, a half plus one drive. Uh, and so that, I think, when people uh, want want to, like, pump the brakes, I understand being like emotionally protective of yourself <laughs> in these situations. Um, I'm the opposite of that. I always go the complete other way and just deal with the heartbreak later. Uh, but this is different than, oh, rookie quarterback gets a couple bounces to go his way early in his career and looks better than he really is. Like, no, Drew Locke was marvelous on Sunday. And I think that's why, like, the other side of it is the hype train is just going insane right now because this was – high-level NFL quarterbacking that we haven't seen, obviously, in about four years here in Denver. So I totally get why fans are losing their minds over this. And it looked like it just looked like a whole different team. The offense played very well together. Drew connected to 10 different receivers or 10 different players. Mm-hmm. So he got everyone involved. Everyone was hyped. After the game, it just it looks like a different team. They're so happy. They're so excited. And you know, their record's still bad, but they're just so happy to be playing fun football again, and it makes everyone else enjoy watching them. I called it the most fun game since Super Bowl 50. Broncos game. Um, and that's There's not a lot to really pick from there. There's been some real boring ones. 
But that, to me, that was the biggest thing. And so I understand when you're talking about some people are saying pump the brakes, this or that. Like, there is going to be a moment to pump the brakes. And, but we don't have to contextualize his whole career. We could talk about the first two games of his career and how awesome they were and how they brought life to one of the most miserable seasons that we've seen in recent mis- uh, history. This season was dead in the water. N- people were starting to tune out the Broncos, which I'd never really seen. You can't talk about anything with the Broncos right now. No, grocery store, wherever you go, because there was such an exciting couple of weeks. It is crazy how one player, and, and, it, and it has to be at this position most likely, Yeah. but how one player can change the entire feeling around an organization. Like, we were at apathy. Broncos yeah. fans yep. had reached apathy. Even Drew's first start. This will get lost in history. There was 20,000 no-shows that day. Uh, like People yes. didn't even care. Yeah. They were like, oh, he's just going to suck like all the other guys and whatever. It, sh- it shouldn't get lost in history, though, because it's an important detail. And yeah. actually, it is part of the story. I'll make it. I'll, they did I'll announce take it, it I'll late. I'll make a point of it. Huh? <laughs> they did announce it late, so that's part of maybe a, l- a few more people show out of curiosity to see Drew. Right, but even that, like <laughs> twenty thousand because, 20, because they were yeah, just yeah. playing silly games, according to Vic Fangio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe some people that thought comment. they were going to get fooled or whatever, but we went from apathy to like full on hope in two yeah, weeks for sure. And it's crazy because I feel like I always talk about this: how the Broncos always find a way to remain relevant. Like, there's always something around the corner that that just pops up, and it's like, oh, here it is, like. They were going to miss the playoffs in 2016, and it was like, oh, no one cares. Well, then Gary Kubiak like, out, retires out of nowhere, and it's like, oh, they're the top story again. It's kind of how I felt about this. Like The Broncos were trending towards apathy, and then Drew Locke just comes out of nowhere and rescues everything. So I, I think the perfect thing to do is what you're saying. Just Let's just talk about the two games and how great they were and, and analyze each you know throw and all that that he did. But – Everyone just, you know, you got to have a quarterback in the NFL. So everyone just wants to already get to that conversation. Is he the quarterback of the future? Is he the franchise quarterback? And uh, all signs are pointing to yes. We also got to talk about uh, Rich Scangarello's play calling this week because we did talk about it negatively last week on how he wasn't cutting it. Fans were um, calling for his head already with just how unaggressive he was. And he did not let back. On Sunday. Yeah, when he uh, called a flea flicker up 28, I was yes. like, yeah, let's do it. He got a note on his desk this week <laughs> that said, don't you dare take your foot off the pedal. And then Drew threw that interception when he was just like in full on heat check mode. And then they actually did end up dialing it back. But the thing with Scangarello is my column after the game, which is that having a quarterback changes everything. John Elway had two really good drafts back to back, even without Drew Locke, but people were still calling for his head. Then all of a sudden you insert Drew Locke and, and oh whoa, this is you know two two drafts in a row that could have the future of the Broncos built here. Um, Rich Gangarello looks really bad. Then all of a sudden Drew Locke puts the defense on their heels and you've got wide open receivers running across the field all day and and the little slip out screen to Noah Fant works perfectly because the defense is backpedaling because they're afraid of Drew's arm. Like every little thing, no one's you know uh, complaining about Vic Fangio's grumpiness this week. It's just like all it takes is a quarterback, and all of a sudden all boats rise, and everyone's happy about everything. Yeah, where, where are my Noah Fant haters at? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he – le- I, mean, I, I still don't like the Noah Fant end around. Can I still hate on that specific play? <laughs> but that they just ran wait. Like, it will it's work. work. It's gonna, <laughs> it was a whole process that of setting time. it up. For week 17. It's going to be yes. brilliant. <laughs> week 17 to go 8 and 8. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
how much stock can you put in a sample size like this? Because coming from hockey, basketball, two games, baseball even less, two <laughs> games is nothing. But in football, that's an eighth of a season. So That's a really good point. And I think, again, I keep trying to go away from the sample size and what the what my eyes are telling me. Because, again, the sample size, you know, Brandon Allen was pretty good for one-sixteenth of a season, but – we and that's ten games in baseball, you know. But we knew that you could see holes in that one six. Right, that like it didn't work. And then especially when he went back in the next game, it was like, okay, that was a fluke. Uh, he got some bounces. You go back and you look at the Cortland Sutton incredible catch for a touchdown. Noah Fant trucks a guy and runs seventy five yards. You can see the holes when you look back at it. With Drew Locke, it's like the dude is fifteen of eighteen on third downs. He has four touchdowns on third downs. He's throwing lasers in the red zone, which is what you need to be able to yeah. convert in such a small area. Buzz like, Lightyear for yeah. real lasers. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even. I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> uh, but like, he's been sacked once. He's been sacked once. It's like all of these things are adding up, and and you're like, if you if you just took this two game sample size and put it in Carson Wentz season this season. Everyone would be saying, like, those are two fantastic games. It's not like we're grading him on a curve based on the fact that he's a young, really talented rookie quarterback. It's like, no, this is fantastic quarterback play no matter who it is. So the, I, I, I buy the charisma. There's, like, something to him. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, he has really, swagger. That he was swagger, the other thing, yeah. The, it, so the, the word everybody's using is, like, swagger but not cockiness, which I think he started. But it's true. I think you see it. He's got the It's can, okay to be cocky, by it, the way. Yeah, he's got the cannon arm. Like, he's got the tools. So that's the stuff I, I 100% buy into. To put a little of the cold water on it, he was never scouted. And we're two weeks into this with NFL being such a scout-heavy <coughs> league where it's like you spend a whole week – figuring guys out nobody's had the time to do that with him yet and is there i'll ask you this is there anything to like this is he's punching first basically now the defenses get to kind of punch back now yes i, I always talk about punches and counter punches in the nfl and that's probably why you will never see drew lock have a 98.7 qbr again like Again, that's the f that's the only one player in football this year has had a better game than that, and it's Lamar Jackson. Now he did it three times, which is just ridiculous on <laughs> Lamar Jackson's part. But uh, you know that that could be the best game of his career in terms of QBR. He's he might not complete eighty three percent of his passes again. And but the thing is, you go back to that arm talent. You go back to the ball placement. Like there's a throw early on in the game where Andrew Beck comes open over the linebackers. Mm -hmm. Drew locks off his back foot, and he just flicks it with his hand, and it goes – It couldn't. the ball couldn't have been placed anymore perfectly. Like, little things like that, there's no scheme for that. There's no um, schemed pressure that stops him from dropping the ball in between the safety and the corner to Tim Patrick on the sideline in the perfect place. Now, can you count on those throws 100% of the time? No, you're going to need more of the easy stuff over the middle and all that. But the, my favorite thing that I'm seeing from Drew, and Andre can to attest to this, this was the, one of the knocks on him, which was ball placement. All these throws are in the perfect spot. Even the, you know, the easy throw to Jeff Hireman on the goal line, that's in the perfect spot. It's the, whenever someone's coming open, he's drilling them in stride. And I don't think that's just going to magically go away because a team sees, oh, he doesn't like A-gap pressure or whatever it is. He's doing it off of awkward footing. Yeah, his footing These is very awkward. These are throws that even the best of the best in the NFL, maybe 5% of NFL quarterbacks can make those kind of throws consistently, play in, play out, play in, play out. The knock was his ball placement. The, another knock was his ability to handle pressure. 
and go off his secondary reads. We're seeing all of that in two NFL games. It's amazing the strides he's making. Again, with most casual NFL fans, couldn't name two Broncos wide receivers. Couldn't name two Broncos tight ends. The O-line's been terrible. They could name one O-lineman. It's because yeah. of how bad he's been. <laughs> 100%. The whole league knows it's, who he And, is. I mean, the defense has already had to start to adjust because they came out standard. Okay, we're just going to play cover two. We'll see if you can handle the deep balls. Then he's threading those needles, and that's opening everything up underneath. It's really – I mean – it's close to unprecedented. I always try to take pretty measured takes because I'm seeing the data. I have to rewatch this stuff. I followed these guys from college, so I understand. You know, you might see some flashes, but you're still seeing some of those deficiencies, and those aren't being exploited. I, I am not going to be measured in this case because what we're seeing is unprecedented. What we're seeing is special, and I'm sad for people who can't recognize that because you just need to, regardless of if this can be a predictor of future success, you need to enjoy what this kid has already done because it is, it's just outstanding. It's a weird culture we've sort of created around sports, right, where we care more about what might happen in the future than we do about what's already happened. Mm -hmm. I feel this way about, like, we were talking about movies a lot before we came in, too, that we almost care more about the next trailer for the next thing that's going to happen than we do the movie or the show we're watching. I feel like that in sports all the time. Like, the Washington Nationals just barely won the World Series, and we're already moving on to where are all their players going to go to next. And it's it's or how about the Nuggets right now? Yeah. It's like they're yeah. winning, but they're not winning good enough to win a championship. Right. I do think I actually had a conversation on DNVR Nuggets last night with Eric about this. Is I do wonder if the conversation around sports is moving more and more towards like predictions of the mm -hmm. future and projection more than like just enjoying what's happening because. Mm -hmm. So much of the conversation around the Nuggets isn't even about what's happening. It's about what does this mean for what will happen with this team. And it's like they're in a moment. Just They're in a moment right now that you can kind of enjoy what's happening right now without contextualizing it against three years from now. And I think some of that's kind of lost. And maybe we have something to do with that. And I think it's as soon as you see success. Because last season, I don't think that was something Nuggets fans were thinking of so much of the future. They were enjoying the moment because it was like, whoa. What is this? But now that they saw the success, they saw them reach the playoffs, they're like, oh, well, I want more. I want that championship. I'm not seeing that. This team isn't going to make it. And it's you can over overreact a lot more. Now. I think one big part of this is how invested we've become in the draft. Yeah. Remember, you know, in the 80s, people weren't thinking about weren't scouting players and talking about the draft in, you know, six months before the whole thing. We've kind of reached a point in sports where it's like, okay, you either you should either win the championship or be the worst possible yeah, team so yeah. you can get the better players and there's actually part of that that can be right but it does it it completely disregards the journey from getting to, from the bottom to the top which has a now ton of little awesome steps that happen in there that you can really appreciate but i don't even know if it's just that cuz i think the part of this is enjoying the journey <laughs> along the way but like with the nuggets it seemed linear until this year, and this is the first year. It's and it, we're only twenty one games in, but it doesn't seem linear. And I think that's the thing is now it's like okay, well, do we just start over? It's like come on, man, like <laughs> yeah. just tell so me about I, it. I think there's certain <laughs> certain types of like you there, there's certain processes that you have to enjoy that aren't just a, a preamble to something greater. And 
I, d- I just don't see that with the uh, at least Avs fans from that I can see that I see on Twitter. I feel like Avs fans are just enjoying the moment and but it's living still going in it linear right now. for them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. they're, they're yeah. dominating. The they just keep getting sport. better. That's true. <laughs> but like, I feel like they went. But everything bad keeps happening, and there's a chance for them to not be good because of all these injuries. And yes, it keeps going right, but like fans are just. I just see people are welcoming other fans. I just see a lot of positivity on the Avs fan base right now. The core fan base is two years removed from a 48-point season, which they'll beat before the halfway mark of this year. So I think the core there is a bit more understanding of we have improved incredibly quickly. (laughs) But it's also true that each year – their ceiling has gotten higher, and they have gotten better. It, absolutely, and that was they Denver have. all the way up until last, until, until this, this season. Year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting kind of crossover, I, I guess, because the Avs they you can call it linear, but honestly, coming off that forty eight point season, it's almost exponential. Sure, mm-hmm. because they they immediately returned to the playoffs. They didn't mm-hmm. have the steady build; they had the quick build to get back to a contending team, arguably. And now it's a bit of a different situation because they are so injury-riddled this year, but they continue to win anyway. So when things go wrong for them, it's very easy to write off. But when they go right, it's almost two times as effective because of all of the pieces that they're missing. Like, I feel like last night the Avs lost. Uh, they bro- ended their six-game win streak, and people were like, well, they played really oh. ugly, so oh. at least they got a point. Got a point. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're, they're, yeah. They, fans are finding positivity while you turn to the Nuggets right now, and they are in a slump, and every everyone's just like, oh, they're going to continue on this slump, and it's, it's kind of over. And it's that's just what? Sport, How is it over? Sports fans have become like junkies where what they're actually looking for is that like great validation. But just like a con- and the only teams that have ever had the Golden State Warriors had this where one year they just dunked on everyone repeatedly. And it, like sports is almost never that even your great teams have humiliating losses along the way yes. to a title or whatever. And I think people want the Warriors experience in all of sports. We want Drew Locke to go 26-0 and over his next 26 games, and if they lose one to the Chiefs, it's going to be like, this is humiliating. I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, that's man. so well, boring. And that's that's mind-blowing to me because isn't one of the great things about sports that they're unpredictable? Isn't, oh, aren't the unpredictable moments in sports yeah. the best moments in sports? But it's become. I think it's this idea of projection and trying to predict that you just want valid it's almost like right. it's personally like totally i believe agree. this nuggets team is good and every tiny instance that they don't prove me right is like i've a personal mm. referendum on me as a fan and i think that's i think that's more prevalent now than maybe it was 10 15 years ago for whatever reason maybe it's because we talk about sports 24 7 with the entire universe I, yeah. and that was my next take is it is is that is the other thing because in the moment everyone really enjoyed that broncos texans game like, yeah. it's not like we stopped the game at halftime and we're like, okay, but, but, but is Drew Locke the future? <laughs> no, it was just the second that the final whistle blew, yeah. we started saying, okay, now what does this mean for the future? And we can literally all log on and have that conversation all at the same time. Right. And I think that ha- is part of what's changed the narrative. It's like, okay, we are all connected as sports fans 24-7, and we just all we do is just talk. All we do is just yeah. converse and, like, the first thing we think of is like, okay, now what does this mean? Well, and the rise of analytics as well, right? Even for the casual sports fan, they're so, so much more informed than they were 20 years ago, maybe even less than that. And 
with analytics, it highlights the inconsistencies. So when a team is playing well, the analytics is going to show, well, here are their rooms for improvement, and that's going to catch on in the general eye. But analytics are also about projection, largely, because a lot of it is like, I'm well, Drew Locke looks good, but if you look at his adjusted QBR, it's actually not. There's some concerning things. No, I <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying, but that's that's sort of I think right. that, well, that plays into this is you can the, the Nuggets were 13 and three, and people were like, yeah, but their net rating is actually that of a team that's t- 10 and nine, and it's like you're almost taking away some of the the enjoyment from right. from that type of analysis. Just, it's funny that you bring that up though, because I literally spent an hour yesterday looking through. Every possible advanced metric, everything that can possibly be tracked about Drew Locke, and it was like, there is yet to have some. Andre, you can correct me if I'm wrong. There's yet to be something that pops up that's like, oh, well, here's the thing that teams are going to capitalize on from here but on all, out. But all this tells me is that maybe it would have been slightly less exciting if there was one. Well, you know totally. what I mean. Maybe the reason this Drew Locke moment is such a great moment is because it does pass all of these. Are these tests that don't actually matter. They <laughs> right. won, and it yeah, wouldn't have mattered right. if his QBR yeah. was 52 and he had two picks instead mm-hmm. of one. I mean, like, and, and that's kind of, I guess, th- that's maybe the broader point. But the, I think there's a really interesting example of what you're talking about in baseball. I've seen this with, um, you know, the Hall of Fame conversations, particularly with Ichiro Suzuki now, um, because – so the stat that measures how much better you were supposed to be than league average in baseball that a lot of people like is WRC+. plus. If you're 100, you're league average. If you're under that, you're below if you're above. For his career, Ichiro put up a 115, which suggests he was about 15% better than the league average hitter, which is absurd. The guy was the best pure hitter the game of baseball ever saw. He just didn't hit a ton of home runs and do all of these other things. And there are people now who are doing the, well, actually, Ichiro wasn't as good as you think he was because right. most of his hits were lucky. And it's like, bruh. <laughs> the sample size Three is so thousand yeah. hits, hits is a lucky. lot is of hits to get lucky on. Like, WRC Plus is still waiting for his BABIP to come down. That's a whole other thing we don't have time to get into. Yeah, so the, yeah Adam just Baseball gave me this space. But it is. It's like... What are you talking about? What, what What is the conversation here? What should this guy have theoretically been? Or what the dude do? On the, we watched yeah. him play the sport on the field. <laughs> For the record, I think the projection and the analytics, and this is all part of the conversation. It's just does it swallow up the other parts of the conversation that I think can it can be unhealthy. I love projections and analytics and talking about me too what whether the nuggets uh, are on track to a championship or not especially for us who have to talk about this every single day i mean projecting is an important part of what we do uh but yeah i do think we have lost a little bit of what's happening right now and it's and it's especially uh magnified i think at the long season sports because like you mentioned Two games in, in yeah, football, nothing. that's an eighth of the season. Right. Two games in hockey, if nothing. <laughs> Adam Werner goes in and yeah, gets right, two straight exactly. shutouts, does it really mean anything? Right. Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Right. It's it's very tough in the longer sports because of that. It, oh, you played good for one game. Good job. No one cares. But I think it also makes sense that fans are feeling this way, at least for the Broncos right now, because they just dealt with terrible – how many quarterbacks have they gone through in, since Peyton Manning, and they haven't – they haven't found anyone so it's like Six. it is that oh my god is drew lock the guy we need to know because if not then we got to draft a guy in the next uh, in the draft like so there's all of these things that it makes sense for fans who've gone through such uh, rough years at the moment to be like wait 
is this too good to be true? Is this the guy? What is what's going on? Well, and that's why, you know, back in November on the DNVR Broncos podcast, we were like pounding the table, freaking out like they have to play him sooner rather than later. So we actually can end up with a with a larger sample size. Is it possible that Drew Locke just completely unravels for the next three games and we're left really, you know, scratching our heads about what the future may hold? I'll touch wood. It's possible. But I think we've seen enough right now to tell us, okay, this guy has a little something to him. You got to see what he's got. You got to roll him out there, give him a full off season to be the guy for this team. You know, don't uh, mess around with him being the third string quarterback to start camp. And like, having a quarterback con- like a quarterback competition. Yeah, none of that. Like, give this guy the reins, see what happens, design an offense based on his strengths. And another hat tip to Rich Gangarello. He didn't just say, okay, here's the Joe Flacco offense, go run it. He's gone pistol. He's done the full house. He's put him in the shotgun uh, in the red zone, which I really like to see. Like, he had an RPOs. Oh right. They are running. So they have um, catered to him a little bit more. Design everything around Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Philip Lindsay, and see what happens. That's how Nick Foles went and won a Super Bowl when the offense was completely catered to him. Yeah. I mean, to- um, that's what good coaches do. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about this all the time about stubbornness in, in the NFL, especially. And so many coaches think like, this is the way you win. This is the system. You got to find the guys to fit the system. In the end, it's like mm, the teams who just get really good players and figure out a, a way to make it work. Look at the Ravens. Like those are the teams that have the most success. All right, the Broncos take on the Chiefs this Sunday. This is a special game for Drew Locke in the sense that he is known as a as Golden Sun. Is that what it is? <laughs> Golden Sun is a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, <laughs> he is a true son. True son. Um, he grew I up in. Sun, I used to work way. at Golden Sun. No I delivered Did you for really? Them. Yes. Uh, no one cares Honestly, about your life. Incredible Ryan. job. Sorry. Yeah, right. How is it hear possible about your life, you never delivered to my house? Maybe you I might, did, I and I just oh didn't know who you were at the time. That would have been crazy. Honestly, flashback. If you're like 16 and you need a job and you live in Boulder, Go deliver. <laughs> you could just listen to podcasts all the time. Like back then, I just used to listen to music or like the Rockies game on the radio. Now, like if you just your job was just to listen to podcasts, uh-huh. the discman with the tape deck that goes into the tape yeah. thing. And <laughs> that's how you did it. That's sweet. That's awesome. Um. All right. Explain why this is such a game, since I am confusing it with a <laughs> yes, Chinese a golden restaurant. son. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a true son is essentially someone who grew up in Missouri. Um, you know, played high school football in Missouri, went to the University of Missouri. So Drew Locke and his dad and his grandpa were all uh, true sons. So he's like a super true son. Um, but honestly, what's crazy <laughs> about this yeah. is like you have to imagine most, not most, a large portion of Chiefs fans are also University of Missouri fans. They, mm-hmm. they play in Missouri. And so these people have been cheering for Drew his whole life. And now um, he's the villain. And now he comes in with the Broncos. It creates this whole thing. Um, but w- what uh, – that's, you know, it's just a fun that's little story. It's a cool story. little storyline. Yeah. <laughs> what I think is crazy, though, here is, like, Drew Locke starts at home where everyone is, like, putting all of their hopes on his shoulders. Then he goes into a really tough environment against a first-place team in the Houston Texans. Now he's got to go back to his hometown. Like, he's really going through the ringer here of, like, <laughs> difficult places – you know, difficult positions – for a young quarterback, if he you know passes this test again, I don't the the hype train is going to you know spin Explode. off its axis. Yeah, yeah. so um, it is. I I said this on our podcast yesterday. Like I hope um, someone is handling tickets for him because I guarantee you there are hundreds of 
family members and people of that sort who are trying to go to this game. Like, uh, you know, I hope he doesn't have to put anything on that plate. I think, he, you know, he has a great family, so I'm assuming, like, his dad or mom is just saying, like, if you need to, if you, if you want to go, co come through us. Um, but just wear a Broncos they did, jersey. You'll be they did win one for K Jack last week. This one, they they should really rally around Drew. I think they will. I mean, that team rallied around Kareem Jackson. What's what is going, going on, on over here? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, no, both of you just made weird faces. Uh, oh, they just have weird faces. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. had a uh, asterisk next to our uh, our graphic. <laughs> Somewhat interesting. Uh, interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah, funny. <laughs> just a, it's a, too hard to explain. Okay. <laughs> um. But, yeah, the team rallied around Kareem Jackson, and he had a great game, and be cool to see that. Do you expect a win? What's your – are you expecting a win for the Broncos? Expect a win? Um, uh, I don't think it would be fair to expect a win. I think it would be possible to hope for a win. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, remember, no. this is a team <laughs> – Well, it's possible to hope for a win. <laughs> this is a team that <laughs> lost 30-6. to six. At home Ugh. to these very Chiefs without Patrick Mahomes on the field. So to just say mm. like, oh, here's Drew Locke. They better go win this one. I don't. I don't think is uh, is quite fair to Drew Locke. But I think they are going to really compete? rally and okay. compete. Screw all that. In the spirit of what we were talking about earlier, what happens if they do? Just let me live <laughs> in that space before they play the game and don't. I, mean, <laughs> I like this game. You what, might as well. What if they do? What? Sign them up for a ten-year contract right now. S I mean, Don't do we have time. to put him on our top 50 of the decade? Is there time? <laughs> I mean, what Who was 50th again? John Gray? John Gray was 49th, I think. So uh, we got Malik Jackson, I think. Eh, let's kick him off. Gives this one. Uh, I, let's, do, let's put him in at number 50. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. He Sundays. has a big game. We might have to re-record the best draft podcast and Ooh, talk about that 2019 class. One more game. Dude. <laughs> Against Kansas City in Arrowhead. Hey, let's do it. It's pretty big. Broncos one. have lost eight consecutive games to the Chiefs. If you get an actual talent with a little Tebow magic in him, like that's like <laughs> I am, we're talking I am. about the greatest player of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this: like, it is really cool to see how much this team loves him. Um, yeah, they yeah. have. That's big. They that's have real tried to convince themselves that they liked Trevor <laughs> Simeon. And like, I guess they did like Trevor Simeon. They tried to convince themselves that they believed in Trevor Simeon. They tried to convince themselves that Case Keenum could lead the team. They tried to convince themselves that Joe Flacco, you know, was an experienced winner. They're not having to like convince themselves of anything here. They just really like the kid. They think he's playing awesome. You see like Kareem Jackson is out there tweeting like someone was like, oh, like now all of a sudden you're the man. And Kareem Jackson quote tweeted. And it was like, nah, Drew Locke is the man. Yeah. Like, and you so see Von Miller coming out and saying yeah. he's a effing rock star. Yeah. yeah. Which is a great, perfect Von Miller you know, <laughs> like <laughs> promotion. Um, What's interesting about this to me, though, is you I know from your guys' show and also just from talking to you that a lot of rookies have come in. And the question has been, can a rookie have a voice in the locker room? It's like, no, get that out of here. And I don't know if Drew Locke has a voice like that. Oh, he does. But either way, they're talking about him as if they like have. And, and to me, it's like really shocking be the contrast that for years they've been talking about. No, you need to be like a third, fourth, fifth year guy before you can start talking. Yeah. Just when the quarterback takes that position. Well, and that's another thing that we said was really important about this shift to Drew Locke is you kind of have to respect the quarterback. You don't have a choice. Um, <laughs> he's earned it. Certainly in that locker room, they really like him personally. Um, one of the weird complaints that I've seen about – uh, one of the weird complaints I've seen about some of these other quarterbacks is that they didn't really entrench themselves in 
the the team. They weren't one of the guys. And, you know, Case Keenum, you know, uh, Philip Lindsay and Devontae, uh, Devontae Booker both made odd comments about how he never talked to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Drew Locke, I'm hearing from people within the building that, like, after practice is done, he just goes into the players' lounge and just hangs out with all the players. Like, he's one of the guys. But also there's the whole quarterback thing that you have to respect. And now that a rookie is the center of the team – you now are empowered if you're Philip Lindsay as a second year guy to step up and have more of a voice and and Cortland Sutton can be more of a leader so this almost like enabled all of those guys who are young to have a voice because everyone's looking at Drew Locke he's the guy also I think it's uh, everything that's coming out now of like OTAs and the way he was been prepping even though he was the second guy Dalton Reisner um, had a great quote after the game last week like he was just sitting there I thought he was kind of crazy he's just reading over and over and over and like reading his plays and trying to practice even when he wasn't the guy he was just he has that mentality yeah you could almost imagine it as, as like a movie scene Dalton saying that like Drew was going on to the mirror in their apartment and drawing up plays and like, like it's like something out. It's like something straight out of a movie where like the camera's on the other side of the mirror and he's like drawing <laughs> on it. I don't know. And Dolan Reiser's in, in bed. Like, in is this guy crazy? Yeah, like, it's, but like the folklore just keeps building and building with him. Every little thing, all the little behind the scenes stories about him, like noticing that some videographer on the field went to Mizzou and he like recognized her from shooting his games. And then so after the game, he went and like said what up and took a selfie with her. It's like, oh man, this guy just gets it so much. He reminds me a lot of Donovan Mitchell to do a cross sport comparison because Donovan Mitchell had this where, you know, a little bit he was 13th pick mm-hmm. famously by Denver, yes. but he like had a breakout rookie season, but he was also like this charismatic smile guy. Anytime you mm. ask him a question, it's all about the team and yeah, we're a hardworking yeah. guy. And like, he has a little bit of this almost, I will call it corny. I'm not afraid to say it. He's a little corny, but you'd rather be corny than I think like, you know, the, the flip side of that. So I don't know right now. It's oh, very yeah. charming and endearing. Philip Lindsay calls him a smooth talker. <laughs> <laughs> the best moment of the season so far is him going to give Joe Flacco the ass tap. And oh, yeah. And, and, Joe, and, like, and it'd be like, yeah. oh, oh, right. Sure. Sure. OK. No. <laughs> he okay. looks salty <laughs> on the sidelines. There's like a shot during the game, like Drew Locke, Brandon Allen, Rich Gang, or not Skangarello, uh, TC McCartney are all like talking, going over what they just saw. And like Flacco's in the little huddle and he's just eating. He's just like eating some stuff, like <laughs> chewing, like just family guy character at that point. <laughs> barely even paying attention. Like, oh I mean, I, I assume he's just counting down the days until the season ends, and oh he doesn't have to like fake that he cares. Yeah. My, you'll appreciate this, Sally. My uh, my grandma in law, I guess I don't know what you call that. Hates Joe Flacco because in Spanish, Flacco means scrawny. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just a, it's like calling Joe scrawny. <laughs> hey, enough about your life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seriously. Like, I'm really um, off the rails here. The last thing I want to talk about about the Broncos is just I got like Philip Lindsay just kills me for so many different reasons, but seeing him <laughs> after plays like going up to <laughs> these defenders and in their face like yelling at them, uh, trash talking is just the funniest thing in the world. Like I just I love it. His offensive line had to stop him from getting into a fight. McGovern was in there, Reisner like pulling him away, pushing players, and it's like this little guy can get in these defenders' minds so well, and it's just I it's hilarious. Don't the smaller dogs always bark? The oh, most? of course, it's yes. True. Mm. It's true. <laughs> the but mighty he, mouse kind of deal going on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah he was mouse. like that in college too, and I will oh, never yeah. forget the story um, of Jabril Peppers that you yep. wrote in your story um, the about the Michigan game. Jabril Peppers 
knocked out on the sideline, crashes into Sefo, and Phil immediately oh, yeah. gets oh, up yeah. and barks at him for running into his quarterback out of bounds. Like it was his fault, you know? Like. <laughs> well, honestly, though, I remember there was some controversy over that. If you look back, Sefo doesn't even have a helmet on. When Peppers hit the sidelines, he, like, lowered his helmet at Sefo's head. Phil did not take kindly Phil to that. Phil did not. So he's just like that guy. And uh, I just yeah. think it's hilarious. You've got to love anyone who will fight for his team. And honestly, yeah. it's funny because like he was bringing fire the last two years to a team that just had, had no, no fire. He <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. was just this little ember. Just <laughs> like <laughs> he's walking around with one it's lighter so at the concert. <laughs> yeah. Nobody else is like, <laughs> they got their cell phones up. Like, what do we do? And now I think you know, in the future here, that will kind of be a part of the personality of this team is they they can jaw a little <laughs> bit. You know, Drew Locke is on on the Texans sideline doing first down dances. <laughs> would, would you say you wouldn't be surprised if Drew Locke had a hoarse voice after uh, uh, certain games? Come on. Come on. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was good. good. Uh, I wouldn't lock it in, but. <laughs> All right. Well. <laughs> cut the, cut the Big game on Sunday for the Broncos. Sorry? And if you're having a little Sunday party or Sunday drinking, be sure to stop by Total Bev. They're giving the DMVR fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more with the max discount applying up to $75. Use the promo code DNVR2019 online or on the Total Beverage app. We got to talk about the Nuggets and the Avs and how both <laughs> of them are playing Philadelphia teams uh, tonight. Boo. The Nuggets take on the Sixers in Philly. And then tomorrow, the Avs take on the uh, Flyers at Pepsi Center. So who wants to go first? I know you were really excited to talk about the Nuggets, Adam. Make this really quick. <laughs> They're in a rut right now. They're having a moment. They're trying to come together. They're... It's funny they have the number two defense in the in the mm -hmm. NBA. They're fourteen and seven, which is on pace for the exact same number of wins they had last year, which is fifty four fifty five. Um, it does feel a bit like the sky is falling for reasons that maybe are somewhat real, but mostly not. Um, I think the Nuggets are just in a they're a team that is still trying to figure out who and what they are. The good news for this team, Jokic, who has been in a bit of a malaise, I think for most of the year, has sort of come out of that and is looking really really good so if they're right now i think things have been rough on the denver nuggets for the last week or so week and a half but there are some silver linings that i think give you hope that maybe not tonight philadelphia is very <laughs> good and undefeated at home but very soon i think denver um will start to look more like the team we expect malone talked about um mpj possibly dabbling <laughs> in that tonight we have some people asking on the periscope mpj tonight uh, yeah, I, this would be Start a tough. Him. This would be a tough one to put him in. I, here's what's funny: we're 21 games into this season, and Michael Porter Jr. I don't think we talk about projecting forward. I don't think it's that crazy to say that the Nuggets need Michael Porter Jr. Maybe not this year. Maybe it's you sacrifice a little bit this year to bring him along. But Denver's team is really good. They're not the Los Angeles Lakers. They're not the Golden State Warriors of the last few years. I mean, it's just w nobody can fool themselves into thinking that. Now you have this 6'10", 6'11", kid with an enormous amount of talent and some real red flag question marks about his health, style of play, durability, whatever. But there is this feeling of one of the storylines coming into this year was, are we gonna, is Michael Porter Jr. the guy? We're 21 games in, and I just say I have no idea because we haven't yeah. seen him. And at some point you have to rip the Band-Aid off and find out what this guy has and – Maybe it'll be a thing that gives a jolt the way Drew Locke did. Yeah. Maybe not. Well, you and know what Michael Porter Jr. is? 
a golden son. Oh yeah, he also went to Mizzou <laughs> and grew up in <laughs> Mizzou. Was it a Washington true kid? son? No, like no. A Seattle. Guy? He moved. He moved oh, for one gotcha. year. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a true son. Yeah. True. You <laughs> did say golden initially, yeah. of yeah. course. Yeah, because he's true. trying to now, make fun of me. Let's <laughs> let's say. And I'd like to throw something at him. <laughs> if patience is all we need for these promising guys to come along, you know, Makar, we had to wait two full college seasons oh, before the horror. We were we were Jonesing. Lock, we had to wait, what, 13 weeks. If this is the formula for success, stay patient. Good things will happen There's with MPJ. There's a flip MPJ. side of that, though, to the NBA, which is you stayed patient too long and guys don't want to be there anymore. I mean, Michael yeah. Porter Jr. on about 20 different teams would be starting. and Maybe leading them in scoring. And maybe leading, like Orlando Magic, he would be, you know, number one option type thing. And, and a lot of a lot of highly talented draft picks, they go to terrible teams and they get that opportunity. And as much as it sucks to go to that, mm-hmm. to be on a bad team for so long, you do get to play and you do get mm-hmm. to shine. Michael Porter Jr. is this guy that some of this is lessons he needed to learn about, hey, and I think he is, like, man, everybody in the NBA is really good. I am no longer can just skate through. But there is also, like, he's getting DNPs more than half the games at, at, at some point. I, I do worry at some point, does he say, like, what is going on here? Yeah. Am I really just going to be yeah. on the shelf for another another year after spending yeah. one whole year on the shelf? Mm. Well, and he's having to watch one of his best friends, Trey Young, same draft class, light it up. Who Doncic, same draft class, probably the front runner for MVP right now. You yeah. know. And in the conversation for MVP. But the, with Trey Young, terrible his first three months of, the, of his NBA career. He was bad, but he was on a terrible team that needed him to do everything. And eventually he was very, very good. Out. And now this year he's awesome. So yeah. I think with Denver, you just look at it and you say, okay, how do you win a championship? There is something to be said for Michael Malone's strategy of guys have to earn it or, or whatever. But there's also like lighten up, man. It's a pup and you got to put the pup out there and, and they're going to have a few mistakes here and there, but they're not going to learn until you allow that. And then also instill some confidence in them to yeah. let them know that you're behind him. I don't know if Michael Porter Jr. feels like Michael Malone's behind him right now. Do you think he is behind him? No. Because <laughs> he's not. <laughs> I Weird. Mean, I wonder why he feels that way. And, and look, uh, to give Michael Malone some credit, very few coaches, if any actually, in the NBA currently have 13 guys that all deserve minutes, that all are quality enough, play, high quality enough players to, to deserve minutes. So he has a bit of an impossible job, but – in the front office can, and I suspect will very quickly do something to sort of force him into the rotation. But there's also something to say. You look at it. Is Juancho Hernan Gomez your starting shooting uh, small forward on a championship team? Nobody can say that. Like, nobody would fold themselves into that. Tory Craig, no. Michael Porter Jr., best case scenario, yes, he is. Two questions. One, I know Harrison has talked about this a lot, the idea of, like, whose team is it? Like, Jamal Murray kind of, I feel like, Felt like with his contract, he needed to like step up and make it his team, and and maybe Jokic was blindsided by that whole thing. Is it Mike Malone's job to set the set, put his foot down and say no, this is Yoke's team or this is Murray's okay. team? Follow them. It's a really interesting question, and I think two years ago I would have said yes, but one of the things that I don't that I have learned to give Mike Malone a lot of credit for is. Jokic is a passive personality, both as a leader and also as a player sometimes. And for a long time, I, I said, you know, well, Malone needs to tell the team to play through Jokic. And he could do that, and it would have a positive immediate value. But there's also something to a player coming in and taking that up, you know, taking responsibility for it. And when it happens organically through a player overcoming going against maybe their natural personality and learning that lesson, it's so much more valuable than if the coach just said, hey, we're playing through this guy now. So – 
So actually, no. I think a lot of, especially with Jokic, what we're seeing right now, and it's a slower process than people would like, certainly myself as well, but I think what we're seeing is a player realizing that he has to be the leader. There was a lot of this, Jokic is the yeah. best player, but Jamal Murray's the lead. It just doesn't work. You have to be the leader, and if you're not naturally that, it doesn't mean you can never be that. Jokic is fighting cultural things, language. Th- like he's, th- he's got some things working against him. But I think what he's learned and is in the process of learning this year is I've got to be that guy. I've got to set the tone. I can't throw passive-aggressive fits. Like As the leader, there's ripple effects that maybe I didn't intend that happen when you do that. Well, that last Nuggets thing I want to probe uh, to end on a high note here. Bull Bull. How about yeah. him? How about Bull Bull? So if you don't know, Bull Bull, seven foot two, one of the top <laughs> pro, uh, prospects Who out isn't? of high school, seven feet two inches tall, three point shooter, incredible skill. He fell all the way to the second round when Denver swooped in and took him. So he was basically like this guy everybody thought was going to be a top ten guy on draft night. Fell to the second round. And it's like, okay, well, let's see what this guy's got. Turns out he's in the G League just lighting it up. He's shooting like 80% from the yeah. field. <laughs> he's so <laughs> dope. Blocking four shots a game. His and highlight reel is he's for it's a good one. So the thing about Bol Bol is that he is for real skill. Nobody questioned his skill. Yeah. They questioned his maturity, his durability, because seven mm-hmm. feet two with his, w- his legs go up to like – uh, probably like, me yeah like they're just like probably he's all legs. me he's all legs and so there's like you know you look at him and go okay that guy looks like if he fell hard he would break everything <laughs> but so there are some questions about him but man when you watch the talent you watch the skill you go there's nobody his height doing, doing that it's like porcing is on steroids yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'd be very over. entertaining to see him on skates I'm I almost supported yours earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I considered it. Um, seeing him on skates on the ice. Yeah, that, I don't know that he would last more than thirty <laughs> seconds. Yeah, just, no, uh, that's irresponsible. Not, not playing hockey, I, just I ice skating. Don't think they make hockey pants in that size. <laughs> <laughs> the world's biggest five hole, right? Yeah. Could <laughs> 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 skate through. Can you imagine he would just bat the puck I'd, whenever I'd, it was high. You'd like, have to bat reach it down. down to bat pucks. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see how big his uh, hockey stick would be. Oh yeah, yeah. that'd be like Kale McCars is already massive. It's made out of a sequoia. Uh, <laughs> get a high stick just by it's standing literally there. Yeah, yeah. You would. Yeah. Um, let's transition into the abs right yeah. now. Didn't They've we been... just do that? Very naturally, right? It's like, are we talking about hockey now? Is that what just happened? So they got the point last night. It was they a did. disappointing um, overtime loss. But before that, they were on a six-game win streak, doing really well, getting guys back from injury. And then they lost some more guys from injury. Thankfully, most dated day to day like Kale McCarr and Philip Grubauer it's like nothing nothing right can happen for these guys with the injuries yeah I it's impressive how often they manage to get injured I mean it's just a freak thing this year and it I assume will start getting better they started to get healthy as you said before taking a couple more but they're all minor right mm-hmm. other than Colin Wilson they haven't had any significant injury time really right. and that's as good as you can hope for it's the idea is well hopefully they don't get as many at the end of the season because they've had them all the way early right well, <laughs> i mean that's generally not how it works <laughs> but it's pretty crazy to think on the avs roster there is only four players that have played in every single game and crazy. some of those players have played through injury already so it cannot get that much worse as far as injuries uh, are concerned. Touching wood. 
It it can't. If any <laughs> any further injuries is is beyond the realm of of normalcy. To be honest, it's already beyond the realm of what's normal. So it would be a very freak thing to continue to go this route. What's the old saying though? The toughest battles go to the toughest soldiers. Yeah, it it does feel a little bit like that, and the team obviously has responded extremely well. It's really shown how much depth that yeah. the team has added over the off season, and that they can get away with this at all. I eighty percent of teams in the league would not be in a playoff spot going through what the Avs have gone so far this season, and. They not only are in a playoff spot, but are cruising through most of the teams in the league. I mean, beating the easier teams handily, pretty regularly. Yeah, they just lost to Calgary. It wasn't a great game, but it happens. You can't win every single game. Six in a row, that's more than enough. I just think this team has that sort of magic, that special quality to it, that even with all of these injuries, we've seen this throughout all sports. Uh, The one I refer to back is the Eagles had so many injuries during that Super Bowl run, and and it it brings this sort of – They lost their MVP candidate quarterback. Yeah, they lost their MVP candidate quarterback. It brings this fight. It's like, you know what, no matter what, no matter what happens, we're not going down. And – I think in hockey, very specifically, there is that, like, the Stanley Cup, you really don't know who's ever going to win it because of the way it is. It just, it's like this, I'm just, it's their year. I just think, like, this is proving that they have a special quality in them that is the magic that we talked about. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's their year, but you're right. There is that special feeling to this team that there is something a little bit more going on with it than just, oh, they're very good. The team in the room is clicking extremely well. You can put just about anyone with anyone in the lineup, and they will make it work. It's not a bunch of players stuck in their ruts, stuck in what they always do. They're able to adapt on the fly, which is something the Avs haven't done, honestly, this entire decade. The one I will say, the other, the the pessimist would say Get away, the opposite. Pessimist. I'm not. The, I'm not. I'm just. <laughs> if I were the pessimist, this is what I would say. Something is always going to happen but to derail this team from reaching their ultimate um, potential. Something is always going to happen to every team to derail them from, from reaching the potential. The NHL playoffs is widely considered one of the most grueling events in all of sports. And the team that wins it is not healthy at all. Ryan O'Reilly with the St. Louis Blues lifted the cup with two broken ribs last year. That you just have to battle. They should have let somebody else lift him. <laughs> <laughs> we Nathan McKinnon came back in Game Seven last year with a separated shoulder. It's just it's part of hockey culture that, especially in the playoffs, unless you are broken, you just go out there and you do your job. One thing we learned last night, which is nice, is if the Avs are losing, they can just play McKinnon on all four yeah. lines. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice feeling to say we're down by two with 17 minutes left. McKinnon's going to play 12 of those, and we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. The Avs have that in the bag. That is one thing that, no matter the situation, if Nathan McKinnon decides he wants to take over a game – that's the big step he's made this year. He's always been a fantastic player the past couple of years. He's broken out as one of the best players in the league. But he's becoming that guy that you say, go win us a game, and he will. <laughs> we talked about this on our Avs Weekly Breakdown, but we just because of last night, we have to talk about it again. Yeah. Val Nachushkin is just – 
he went 92 games without scoring a single goal and had a goal last night and has had five points. Five and nine? Three goals, four goals now. Five goals and I think it's five eight goals. or nine. It may be, yeah, it's so. And the prettiest smile on the team. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just, the, oh, he's just baby. He's terrifying. He's just, yeah. He smiles and I'm the, scared. The nightmares of small children are made from Valm Chuchin's <laughs> face. It's, it's, you, you'll come around a corner in, in Russia and Valm Chuchin will be there in his Adidas gear, like squatting, <laughs> chewing some sunflower seeds, and you know you're in the wrong neighborhood. Like, nice day, huh? <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, and also Va- like Val, the Chuchin, that's such yeah. a Val, villain yeah. name. How do you pronounce his name? I saw people debating this on Twitter last night. Valerie or Va- someone said it wasn't Valerie. Valerie. Valeri, yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be Valerie. The Russian pronunciation is like uh, Valerie, correct? So everyone just calls him Val. Yeah. Valerie. That's what Valeri. I stick with. Let's just start playing that. Uh, Valerie. <laughs> yeah. Every time that, he comes that's on exactly the what ice. I think every time <laughs> yeah. too. It's Every time he scores, that song pops into my I'm head. I'm sure he'd it's love that. It's a banger. That. And this I is why we need custom goal songs in the NHL. But Ooh. that's Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. like walk-up songs. Yeah, yeah exactly. but it's like even exactly. better because it's goal. I right. like it. You know what I, they, I didn't even know this was an argument, but I am so pro. I agree. That. Just as last year, the Rocky, or maybe it's been two years. I don't know. It was 100-something games ago. Is, yeah. yeah, they started when you hit a home run, you get your walk-up song again yeah. instead of just playing the same techno beat for everybody that oh, hits a homer. God, so when beat. Charlie hits a home run, we all get to sing tonight again. And that makes so better. Avs, yeah. hey, 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 techno beat thing rules. It's, it's, it's good. Rules, I just think it brings it back better. the playoff memories mm-hmm. and that just makes it better. Yeah, I mean, the pom poms go into the head. Yeah. Hey, like that. The problem that is, like, with goals, you get a bunch of weird stuff. Like, <laughs> McKinnon would have, like, the Rough Riders anthem and then <laughs> <laughs> Matt Which Calvert. Would be awesome. <laughs> I was going to say, no problems yet. Keep and then going. Matt Calvert would score and it would be, like, a super twangy country yeah. song. That you know what? That wouldn't work. No, I'm still with it. I'm still with it. I think it's a great idea, and it needs to happen right away. Get I, on it. I'm saying. I'm, I'm also very anti-techno. This is my oldest <laughs> of old man takes, but the like loud, thumping techno music in arenas really kills me. And nothing drains my there's energy a, more. There's a time and a place, and after a goal is certainly that time and place. <laughs> yeah. I will never forget <laughs> Brandon Spano and his cousin, the most Italian thing ever. There was a techno <laughs> song. You'll remember this. There, I have a video of it. There, It was a techno uh, song, and they're just fist pumping <laughs> at the same time, and it just looks like the Jersey Shore. And it is the funniest thing ever after after a goal in the abs. Um, speaking of music, Ooh. Nathan, Nathan, Rudo had a very, I don't know, but it was Nathan weird. I felt weird. I felt no weird. Rudo had an interesting take on Twitter last night. What was it? Baby Shark Slaps, yeah, man. It it's totally a good does. song. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, all right. The We're gonna be the, the old man side of the table. Wow, I can't also, so the dad in the room. Children over here. Are you kidding me? How many times oh have you heard it? Yeah, enough. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't heard it enough if you think it's slapped. Oh, I can't. I can't. And and I love her to par as much as anybody. Yeah. <laughs> but that. Oh no. Uh, no, it's barely qualifies as music. There's uh, a reason that it's so popular. I don't yeah. want to talk about my life too much here, but <laughs> tonight I do have my daughter's Christmas play and it is uh Santa Shark ho 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 ho. <laughs> very 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 oh. great. Very adorable. When 4-year-old sing it it's cr- it's adorable. 
Not when not in a hockey arena. <laughs> no, no, in a hockey arena. That's this is what I responded to Rudo on Twitter. The Avs played Baby Shark after they shut out the Sharks oh, during Game Four it. of that the playoffs. Works. That works. And it was incredible. Imagine being in an it's arena in the nineties. They start <laughs> that playing game, the Teletubbies or something. Yeah, no, exactly. no, we'll right. go back Come like, on. oh, the Bernie song slaps yeah. you down. Like, that's no, not no, you're just forced to listen to it enough that you've made peace. This roots from your techno hate because. It is techno, yeah. The, yeah, like the coral baby shark is just a techno beat. <laughs> right. you're, aging your, like, you're aging yourself by calling it techno because it's, it's, it's EDM, EDM now. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. I don't want to be Kids a part of this days. conversation. <laughs> I like this side of the table being anti it, this, this side of the table <laughs> being for it. Is it even EDM at this point? I mean, you get into like hard step and synth Lost wave pop. <laughs> yeah, I don't really Dub know. Dubstep. Dub, all right. That was big when I was in college. Yeah, exactly. Dubstep. We're about the oh, same yeah. age. <laughs> As you may or may not know, <laughs> taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. You want your teeth to look nice for this holiday season. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. Check them out today online or call them at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Val, they can help you out, buddy. Oh, Val, yeah. <laughs> we should we, we should recommend that. Um, before, I would like to say that we have some stickers now on the dnvrlocker.com. And just the dnvrlocker. Well, I was just like, I didn't mean to have that be part of it. I was just saying like. Just trying to let people right, know the proper Show the people the dnvrlocker.com. For the people in the live, you'll be able to see it. Sorry, podcasters, you can go look at it on the website. This is the Nuggets one. It's pretty dope. I think the Die Hard is my favorite on this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah just like so. look at your shirt and look at that. It's just really, it's really it's awesome. nice. You know what that basketball kind of looks like? What? A golden sun. I despise <laughs> you sometimes. Um. Anyways, Reasonable. these are great for computers, water bottles, your car. This is the Avs one. We got Big Moose on there, three-headed monster, and some DNVR ones. Those are two of my favorite designs. The three-headed yeah. monster. The three-headed monster. Three maybe monster maybe number one. Best. I think number one. The Abs like should just change their logo to the. Th <laughs> <laughs> I strong agree. No, they should change it to the alternate. No. Yes. That's Unacceptable. A far more reasonable request, Ali. No and you way. bring that, get that out of here. <laughs> yeah, the right. Avalanche logo would be fire. They had a Yeti <laughs> foot on their shoulder for years and years and I years. I miss the Yeti foot. Yeah. I did too, actually, yeah. yeah. This is, so this is, is something I'm pretty was? passionate about. Yes, it. let's <laughs> rile it up. Let's go. Rile. The Avs should never, ever, ever, ever change their alternate logo. What do you mean? It should always remain what Are, it is now, the C? Uh, their main logo. Yeah, that's oh, what they should I never change their yeah. main one? They're ever. Man. Do not change that A. Ever. Here, here. Um, yeah, I think you're wrong. That feels like here, a here. 90s logo to me. I'm with it, Rudo. What's wrong with the 90s? Why don't Nothing, you want to adapt? It's, just, it didn't, it's not timeless. Everyone oh. changes their jersey you, every once in a while. The Colorado Avalanche have built a team with history behind that logo. They have two championships with that logo. They won their first year in the league with that logo. It's a classic. If you want to be one of those things that is immediately associated with hockey, what people think of original six logos, the Boston Ruins, Bruins spoked B. I like the Boston Ruins better. The, the Ruins just, actually is not bad. The, ruins. the Boston Ruins. I'd watch the Boston Ruins. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're pretty good, unfortunately. So, um, But... 
the A. They also all those teams originated in a classic era. The the Avs originated in a '90s era, and it feels like a '90s logo. Here's and the movie. '90s will be classic very that's soon. True. It's <laughs> classic era. Adam. I saw yeah, something classic, the other day. That's classical era. I think they uh, play Nirvana yes. on classic rocks. They do. So they do. I heard something the other day that we're now further removed from the '90s. Like there could be a the '90s show, that '90s show, right? When oh, they made yeah. that '70s right, show, yeah. we're actually further removed now from the That'd '90s when they start doing the, the '70s show. The Wonder Years was 20 years. After um, it, but so it would have been 2000. Yeah. Or, or yeah, 1999 if it was made today, which yeah. is wild. Here's what I'll say about the Avs logo. I can I can actually understand both sides of this. I agree that the logo is dropping. not beautiful. <laughs> it's not, uh, it doesn't look all that great. Oh, Rudo. Rudo just gave you the death stare. It also stare. is the Avalanche identity. And their identity is dope. And they were dominant. And there are a, a classically great hockey team, and maybe they don't ever need to change it. What if you've I'm got saying, a super dope concept and identity, but no winning, asking for a baseball franchise? <laughs> uh, no, scrap it. The, like, no the, you want to get rid of the no CR way. and the baseball in the no, mouth? The CR is awesome. The, CR is the Rockies are the one team that like just nailed their original brand. Let's just talk about it's, it this way. Uh, the Broncos, the, the D... That was a fantastic logo. It was. Uh, but the they never were won. Great. Yeah. They were fantastic. They changed it. Now they won three Super Bowls. I don't Bowls. think that's going to work for the Rockies. That's how it man. works for the Rockies. <laughs> AJ, you don't need a generationally great quarterback or anything like yeah. that. AJ it's would be really angry right now because he believes in none of this. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's <laughs> from a purely marketing standpoint, if you have championships on a logo, why would you change it? No, I, I agree. But I was with our debate last week of the best top 10 jerseys of the decade. Do you agree? The alternate, that the alternate is a fantastic one? jersey as an alternate. If the Avs wore that 41 games a year, yeah. it would lose its shine. Right. I don't eat Ooh, caviar don't for lunch so. every day. It's my alternate. Exactly. Right? And that's why I keep it fresh. Andre, and it's we don't enjoyable. care about your life. The, the, current, <laughs> the, the current Avs logo is the taquitos in this metaphor. So. <laughs> I will a hot say, pocket. Like, if the Nuggets made yes. their uh, home jersey the white uh, skyline and their away jersey the black skyline, I would not complain about it. I wouldn't say it would lose its shine. <laughs> I, I see. Yeah, uh, I don't know. We can't. We can go down this rabbit hole for two. Purple yeah. Monday. Yeah. Every day. Every day. Also, you should wear colors at home. William Rosario. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Oh, we're gonna dive goal. in. We kind of talked about predicting and how. At the beginning of this podcast, we talked about how predicting could be ruining, in a sense, sports. But you know what? We're predicting right. the next decade. <laughs> so, <laughs> for God, I'm is we excited about this? Me too. I'm gonna. S- we're gonna do this more on a kind of a rapid note, not d- deep diving, because we've done a lot of podcasts this last week where you can go in for the deep dives of that. So let's start with you, Ryan. Predict the next decade for the Broncos. Well. Drew Locke leads them to 10 straight championships. Okay. No, uh, I actually think that that Drew Locke will be the franchise quarterback for the better part of this decade. I think that's, you know, um, I wouldn't call it a safe bet, but I think it's fair to say that at this point. Um, And I I mentioned this earlier. uh, Was that off? I think that was off air. I talked about this with John Elway. I think that um, at the end of next decade, I think we'll be able to look back on this and we'll, we'll be able to really contextualize this four-year losing period, which in the moment felt like a root canal every single day. And I think we will look back on that and say, 
that was actually really reasonable. It was really reasonable that the Broncos lost one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. They had a surprise coaching change in there uh, and lost for four years. I think we'll be able to look back on that, and I think we'll also be able to say, and then right after that, John Elway did find his quarterback, and they were able to get back to relevancy really quickly. And when we look back at John Elway's record as a GM and we look back at you know this entire era of Broncos football, we're going to say that the John Elway GM era was only the second best um era of Broncos football ever just behind the John Elway quarterback era wow. so uh, I, I do think they're gonna trend right back up I don't think this is gonna be some long lull for the Denver Broncos where they be, they become one of the worst franchises in the NFL it's many other teams have done by the way you know you have the Bills who were good for a while then just went away forever or the Browns uh, I think this we will look back on this four years and say that was really reasonable and understandable that this team had such a dip. What about ownership? Because yeah. I know that I know that's sort of a, a big question with this team that we don't know about. So all signs point to that it's going to be Brittany Bolin. Sure. Um, I'm actually, I guess, maybe in the minority, uh, at least from what I see on Twitter, uh, I think that there's a lot of anti-young Bolin kid taking over the team uh, sentiment. I'm actually very pro-Brittany uh, Bolin. I think that – it's important for remember this franchise began essentially with Pat Bull and you know he's the one who brought them to what we know now know as the Broncos and I think it's really important for someone who has his ideals in mind to be running this franchise and again it's not just anyone Brittany Bowen um, is extremely bright she has all the schooling you could possibly want uh, an MBA from Duke you know she is qualified in that right Obviously, she's really young right now. You know, um, she is 29 years old, so it's going to take a while. I, I don't know when they're going to actually give it to her. Whenever it happens, she's going to be one of the youngest owners of all time. But I, again, I wrote about this. I may, I, it was only one line in my column after the game, but I said, has anyone talked about the ownership situation in the last two weeks? Like when the team's good and you have a quarterback, all of this stuff sort of goes away. Mm -hmm. When the team's bad, and especially they're bad because they don't have a quarterback then all of a sudden ownership it's such a big deal when the broncos start winning again it's not going to become it's not going to be something we talk about on a weekly or even monthly basis i don't think Brittany bowen will you know earn her stripes within the organization um she's really well liked by the people who work around there she's going to work her way up she's going to become the owner and i think you know we'll go on uh, a whole nother i mean she could be the owner for 50 years yeah yeah uh, which is also something that i think is pretty cool yeah I all just the stating the obvious. I also think it's really cool that she's a woman, and Hell I think yeah. it's going to be um, a good s something to see for the rest of sports about how the fact that right now a lot of people are like, can a girl, can a woman go in there and talk to Jerry Jones and like argue with him and and do all these things? And and I think I think yes, a hundred percent. But I think it'll show the rest of sports that you know what a woman can be in charge and can have leadership and dominance even if it's a bunch of men in the room so oh, yeah. i mean the I think NFL it'll, it'll be it'll be changing for the league yeah i mean the nfl needs young blood just period i mean there's plenty of old white guys uh <laughs> making the decisions in the nfl and to on top of it make it a young woman i think would be really cool um and 
one thing that I think, and this is a conversation for a, um, a later date, but one thing that I think we need to understand is the same way it is with a young quarterback, same way it is with a young play caller, you know, or a young head coach. It's not she's just going to walk in and be a fantastic yeah. owner right away. Like she's going to have to learn, and there's going to be bumps in the road along the way. And she probably can't walk in on day one and start going head to head with Jerry Jones or one of those guys. But like I said, she could be the owner for 50 years. Um, and she, if anyone has an example of what it takes to be a great owner, it's her. All right. Ruto, give me the Avs in the next decade. I'll keep it simple. They win a cup in the first half of the decade. They return to a perennial contender, and they enter their second golden era as a franchise. Awesome. Let's go. Uh, Let's just, go. Just one? We're only getting At one? At least one. <laughs> okay, there we go. I like that better. <laughs> You think it's that much of a lock? I really do. I, I nothing's a lock in sports. Nothing's but, but. a lock, but if they don't win one in the next four years until McKinnon's contract is up, when are they gonna? Yeah, huge disappointment if they don't. That's awesome that they're in that spot. All right. That was quick. <laughs> I <laughs> said I really want to like just butter up the well, road. I just think there isn't just... many questions right now for the Avs. They're on that trajectory. They have a lot of young talent, young players that are going to carry this team for. Uh, for the most of the decade well the broncos are up in the air right now with to, what's going on to put this into more football terms like w we talked about this a lot yesterday about a cost controlled quarterback and how that you know when you're when you have a cost controlled quarterback that's your greatest chance to win a super bowl the abs basically have two cost controlled star quarterbacks in mckinnon and mccarr yep. uh and that is i mean like you said i mean that should get them a cup in the next four years. You've built a contender. Now they just have to win. Yeah. Are, are they missing a major piece, or are all the guys that will be on that roster goalie. likely to be on right now? Yeah. Win healthy, this is a cup-winnable team. Okay. Uh, Grubauer, when healthy, has played well enough to win a cup. Still need to see the consistency over a full season, but what he's shown is good enough. Mm. Also in the next decade, I will take all the credit for the abs. <laughs> 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 They've been good since Drew hopped it's on true. board. It's <laughs> true. No argument there. That's what it is. I mean, uh, it outlines how important this window is. No, it, this is this is their moment. The next four years is their time to return to the promised land. Absolutely. There's also like a cautionary tale to be had there with the Sharks. Yeah, you can screw it up. Yeah. Definitely. And you will put yourself in a very tough situation if you don't get there. And all of a sudden, your core is 29, 30, 31, aging out, and you don't have the pieces to get over the hump. So it's do now or do never to a certain extent. All right. I don't know that the Nuggets are going to win a championship this <laughs> decade or decade? ever. In this decade, really? In this decade or ever. But I will say that I think they have as good a shot as they've ever had, which is, oh, look at that. A little Jokic. That doesn't even look like Jokic. What? This is the new office Jokic. It looks exactly like I don't think it looks like Jokic at all. Brandon Spano is in the studio right now and just handed me a Jokic doll. The nose is almost offensive. very weird nose. <laughs> that does not look like him. The it does not look like Jokic. Live stream. Yeah. That sums up Tell the next me, decade for the Nuggets like right there. Oh, wow. Vote. That's how does Jokic gray hair? That's how Jokic haters see Jokic. <laughs> he has large hands. The incredible hands, oh though. Oh, my yeah. God, his hands. You know what I love him nonetheless? <laughs> yeah, we are dunking on the office, Jokic. Uh, we should have led with that. <laughs> Oops. I love it. I love um, it. All right. Wow, look how real it is. Look at the detail. Look at it. The nose. <laughs> 
Um. All right. Will you close the door? That is perfect, Bernie. Like Bernie. <laughs> Bring back Howler. <laughs> Someone actually said uh, make a three-headed monster. What if a three-headed monster was the mascot? I will say I like a there Bernie's Mountain Dog. <laughs> I just it seems like a Colorado dog. It really does. So we got Nuggets stickers, dog. Nuggets Jokic, have stickers, Bernie stuffed animal thing. Well, I don't think we're like selling. No, these. we're not. But I'm just <laughs> stating <laughs> this is what I've shown the live stream today. Anyways, back to what we were talking about. Yeah, I just predict the Nuggets' <laughs> future, Adam. I think this is as good a Nuggets like core as we have seen come through Denver. It's comparable to the Carmelo cores. It's comparable, I think, to your '80s teams. The harsh reality of the NBA is that it's really, really hard to win a championship without traditionally one top five guy. Which Jokic has a chance to be that. Uh, I think he's already a top. Ten, well, he's not playing like it this year, but last year he was a top ten guy. Um, you may, but nowadays, I think you kind of need two. You got LeBron James and Anthony Davis in Los Angeles, and I, I think it's really hard in this area era of player empowerment to look at the Nuggets and say, oh, yeah, they're going to contend with this version of the Lakers or whatever next version of the super team. It's just – it takes a lot. So I think it's going to be a very fun decade. I worry it might be a re repeat of the George Carl era Nuggets, but um, – you know, it's going to be fun no matter what. Can I ask a potentially dark question? Oh. Let's get dark. Oh, what wow. percentage do you think it is of a chance of their of it not being Jokic as the leader of this team throughout most of this decade? Well, really good. So it's funny. Jokic is unlike any other superstar in NBA history. Or should I say the best player on the team throughout this decade? I do wonder sometimes. I think best player. If he's, if he's playing, there's a really, really good chance. In large part because, again, he's a top 10 player in the NBA. And just thinking of Denver having another top 10 player is almost unthinkable. Michael Porter Jr., I think, is the only guy, I guess maybe Bol Bol, that have a chance. But those are more... They have a chance on potential, not on like, oh, I see it coming kind I, of thing. I guess the the... The you're you answered my question in the way that you answered it. Is there because the real thing was like, is there any chance that it just doesn't work out with Jokic and they oh. have to move on? Oh, for moving on. For, I don't. I just don't think you do. It's it, when you're the Nuggets. It's not like you're gonna trade Nikola Jokic for a better player. You're gonna trade him to re, to start over. And as he has, so I think. But I well, Melo wanted out. They would have gladly oh. rode fifteen years if they could. I think. The thing, the thing with Jokic is I think he's good enough at a minimum to have a puncher's chance, and maybe that's the best chance you got, but you got to stick with it. Dirk Nowitzki was written off after 2007. He can only be the second best player on a championship team, and then, of course, in his 11th year, he goes on and, and, and wins the championship. So, Actually, his 14th year. So you stick with Jokic. I think he's going to be your guy. My fear is I wonder if Jokic has a little um, – who was the football player, Ricky? Uh, Ricky Williams. Ricky, he might have a little Ricky Williams in him. I would not be surprised if Jokic so played. He really enjoys smoking way weed. too much weed. Well, <laughs> well, it might not be weed. It might be horses, or just like not being in the NBA. <laughs> but I, I do wonder sometimes, and a lot of people have sort of speculated: Would it be that shocking if he played out this contract, which would take him through to 2024, and hung it up, and or just said like, "I'm going to go play in Serbia." I don't even know if he would play. He would, I mean, he really loves horses. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if he collected his $150 million and said, I'm going to be a horse trainer. And that's kind of my calling. And Should we introduce Jokic to EJ and they can love oh horses man. together? Or maybe Drew Locke. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Inappropriate. Ryan. What? He's a Bronco. Oh. He's a Bronco. Get out. <laughs> um. EJ has a horse. 
Eric Johnson has a horse named Landeskog. And his horse, Landeskog, was injured at the same time that actual Gabriel Landeskog was injured. And I think that's just. They gave wow. Todd Helton a horse for his retirement. R.I.P. Yeah, I, was gonna, I, I wasn't going to bring Todd it up. I will put one button. Todd Helton, like, I. Where do I put this horse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you knew. <laughs> I want to put one button on the Nuggets, and that is that there is a real scenario, and it's very unlike. All, every time you talk about a Nuggets championship, you're talking about an underdog. If they win one, it's going to be as an underdog, and it's going to be the most meaningful championship that you can have. There's different tiers to championships. When you're the juggernaut and you just steamroll everyone, it's like, okay, we're just collecting these. When you're the underdog Rudy story and you win one, it's though, to me, those are the best. And if Denver... And the first one is always the best. And the too. first one, too. So really if the Nuggets is. ever win it, it's going to be like the most incredible fan, re- rewarding fan experience that you can possibly imagine. But I will say there is this tiny scenario. Bol Bol was one of the best players in all of high school coming in, and he had some attitude issues or whatever. Maybe he can grow up and solve those. Michael Porter Jr. broke his back, but he was the number one prospect in high school, and he was the heir to Kevin Durant, a true heir to Kevin Durant. So is there a scenario where we're talking about the 2020s, where both of those guys who we know almost nothing about at this moment actually turn out to be players? If that is the case, then Denver's upside is actually even higher than maybe just like competing for a championship in a window. Maybe they have the f- they become a favorite for for a run. It, it's at least on the table, albeit unlikely. All right. Well, Drew, give us predict of the Rockies. Oh, good. Baseball predictions are, are fun. Actually, I want to start kind of where Adam left off because it's a very similar situation where they're always going to be the underdogs. There's there's going to be so much working against them. Of course, I'm not going to predict the Rockies win a World Series. In the next decade, I do think they'll get back into the postseason in the next two years, which is really important to their whole current window of of contention. But I think they're going to be a much more important player in Major League Baseball in the next decade. Either way, I I don't think you're going to see these 60 win seasons like we saw throughout this last decade or even too many 70 win seasons. I think at their worst, they're going to hang around the low 80s. They're going to have some times where the core really clicks. Uh, People forget they've still got a lot of Nolan Arenado's prime left in him. Trevor Story coming. I do. That's one of the other things is I don't see Nolan Arenado going anywhere. I think it's incredibly unlikely that he leaves the Colorado Rockies for a lot of reasons that have to do with baseball but the biggest one is probably the fact that the there's going to be a giant labor negotiation right in the middle of when he would have to opt out and it's 90% likely that he would have to take less money and the players union during a CBA negotiation is not going to let one of their star players take less money that's just not going to be a, a good sign in, in their negotiations which it's a little literally inside baseball um i apologize <laughs> uh, but uh, no i think nolan's going to stay and be a franchise guy he's going to become the best colorado rocky who ever lived uh, without question I think that they're also going to figure out a way to extend at least one of either John Gray or Trevor's story, uh, probably story. I think there's Thank a you. decent chance they extend him. I think Charlie Blackman plays out his, at least the contract he's on, and, and they'll probably give him a little pillow contract at the end of that. I think he'll stay as a Rocky for the remainder of his career. Some people are going to love that. Some people are going to hate it uh, because they're in such a weird space right now where it's kind of like when Rudo was talking about the Avs, like this was supposed to be the Rockies window of contention and their core is 
young right now and still in the middle of their prime. So they should be going for it. But since they're coming off a 71-win season, no one's feeling super confident about it. Uh, I do think, to, to steal from RK a little bit, we're going to look at 2019 as this weird blip on uh, the radar when the Rockies actually more or less turned things around as a franchise starting in 2016. They got better, they got better, they got better. Took a step back, and then they continued to just get better and build and build and build because they have right now, this second as I'm talking today, the resources are limited. Uh, a year from now, they're going to have a lot at their disposal while still having control over players as talented as Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, John Gray. So uh, there, there's a lot of options here. RK mentioned too, like with, with owners, you know, remembering that owners are young. We forget that Jeff Breidich has only been a GM for like four years and he had to trade Troy Tulowitzki six months into the job. And yeah, all of his free agent signings have been bad so far. Hopefully he learns from them. We forget that GMs, just yeah. like players and owners, they can learn from their mistakes. And I think that they're the most underrated part of how we evaluate GMs, in my opinion. Yeah. And and and, and I think Jeff Breidich is a smart young guy who's analytically inclined and is going to learn from his mistakes. I think the fact that they have locked up Blackman and Arenado is a good amount of security for them, even with the opt-out in Arenado's contract. Uh, because it puts the onus on him. And the worst-case scenario, if he leaves, then the Rockies have $35 million a year to spend on other talent. The whole club doesn't fall apart if Nolan Arenado happens to leave. But they, I think the biggest thing is this decade was has been about the Rockies really finally learning about themselves, how to operate as a franchise uniquely to the other teams in baseball. What is this Coors Field thing? What type of players does it make sense for us to sign? I think they're still learning about that, but they've gotten much, much better at it than they've been. And if they continue to build on those things moving forward, uh, yeah, I, I do see at least a decade where the Rockies hang around and they give themselves a shot at one or two magical seasons, like you said, where they're going to go on a run. And if they get hot at the right time, and it'll be with Nolan Arenado in uniform, uh, they're going to play deep into a postseason. And if they get into a World Series, it'll be one of the greatest moments in the history of Denver sports if that ever happens because there's so much working against them. Let me ask you this because – the two players that I feel are maybe most important or at least really important to this you didn't mention. I feel like for any of this to happen, Kyle Freeland has to get it back and, and Marquez has to be an ace. Correct. No, that's absolutely true. And it, it was sort of like you talking about the franchise quarterback, right? The equivalent of that is starting pitching. The, diff the only difference really is you need five of them or you really you need three of them. Three, yeah. And, and those, those have to be the Rockies three. And I think inside of that is part of the reason why I'm a lot more optimistic than other people who want to continue to make the conversation about Ian Desmond or Jake McGee. We all know the players who haven't performed well. It's about those three guys, John Gray, Kyle Freeland, and Harmen Marquez, three guys who are 25, 26, 27 years old, who, again, have hopefully learned through their experience at Coors Field. It appears as though John Gray has. Uh, Marquez needs to learn from this season. Obviously, Freeland is the biggest question mark there. But I've spent as much time around Kyle Freeland as anybody. From the day he was drafted, I spent time with him out in Grand Junction. I watched him through his entire minor league career. I talked to him almost every day in the clubhouse. And I, I do not see a scenario under which Kyle Freeland flames out and is an unimportant pitcher in the next decade of Major League Baseball. I see that as the unlikeliest scenario 
for the competitive spirit of that young man and the talent he has in that arm. Maybe he just becomes an average pitcher for the Colorado Rockies. But if he can do that, that puts part them of the, part of the puzzle right yeah. back into I, the mix. I love the GM comments you made. I think there's a lot of parallels to the abs and Joe Sackick there. His first couple of years, that learning curve is extremely steep. He, yes, you can talk about what effect Patrick Waugh had on that, but ultimately Joe Sackick okayed a lot of the moves that led to one of the worst seasons in modern NHL ever. And then this past offseason, every single move he's made has worked out and it's taken the Avs into a contending team. I mean, learning is something that we just in sports is something that we totally undervalue. It's like, it's exactly what I talked about with Rich Gangarello. It's like, okay, he was very conservative in the first, uh, you know, uh, 12 games or 13 games of his tenure as a as a play caller there's a chance that he just learned last week oh it helps you win when you keep your pedal to the metal you know maybe one time it comes back to bite you but it is more uh, advantageous to be aggressive like it it's possible for him to just learn that and then just become that guy now um i think we often see someone as something and say like well that's just who they are if I can like plug a thing real quick, and I did it a while ago, but right at the end of the season, I did a conversation about 12 minutes with John Gray on the DMVR Rockies podcast. And this is a guy who's fascinating to talk to. Think of everything he's been through in his career and all the things he's had to try to learn through getting sent down, being left off of a postseason roster after pitching in their winner-take-all game the year before. Everything that happens at Coors Field and going on the road. And all he talked about was everything that he had learned, everything that he has changed, everything that's happened, and how he feels like he's ready to finally become the player he's always meant to be. I think Marquez is in that exact same spot, and that's why I think there's a real hope here for the Rockies to to get this thing together. It's it's those three guys that you mentioned, and look like sleep on Kyle Freeland at your, at your own detriment, man. It, it it this stuff happens to. A lot of great professional athletes where they have that year again it becomes the that chapter the second chapter in his story after the wild card game and everything that happened he got knocked down but he'll get back up again i walked into it i, I apologize <laughs> chumba wumba um well we are having this conversation because of the end of the decade and all of that and we are releasing our final 10 yesterday today and tomorrow so be sure to go talk on there if you disagree with with something let us know if you agree let us know we're having some really interesting conversations on that front i just Ryan. have to laugh uh, so you guys to, to bring the people in on what happened earlier posted a graphic we ranked chris harris jr the eighth most important denver <laughs> athlete of the decade or denver sports figure of the decade and uh, there was a there was an all pro left off of the graphic that we made and he commented Not on the no graphic. the graphic was, was great tweet. It was on the tweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, the tweet. The tweet left off one of the All Pro years uh, for him, and of course that was the thing that he noticed. But I just think it's hilarious because so that's he went so and commented yes. on it, t- calling us out on what the error. Sorry, Chris. It was and a soft call out. It was. It was a soft, a soft call out, and then said, uh, then he said, missed All Pro on that list, and we said, hard to keep up. That's a stacked resume, and he said, appreciate y'all boys. Cool. Not I, you. I just think it's funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't appreciate me. I just think it's funny. It's. It, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. It's so Chris Harris Jr. You're an underdog. Oh yeah. All the time. You got You've that energy. Always been an underdog, <laughs> and you see, like, w- you just don't get enough, uh, yeah. quite enough credit, and you got to call it out. I just, I think it's hilarious. All right, we're gonna do a speed round of who won the week because we are on a very long pod once again. Who did the most and who did the least? Who 
Alright, I jazz hands are dead now. It feels weird. It, I played it and okay. there was no sounds. <laughs> well <laughs> um <laughs> You know, I I dropped the ball again and forgot to do a poll, so we're just gonna go into this week. Sorry guys, we'll do another Let's one. I, won I have a lot of things to <laughs> wow. do and I forgot to do the poll. Um, you could have just made it up. You literally <laughs> took no away yeah, you could. Drew Locke's ability to go back to back. Uh, well, sorry. Go, Ryan. It was Drew Locke, <laughs> by the way. Uh, we yeah. didn't need a poll. It was 100% Drew Locke, <laughs> Drew Locke was going to win. So. He was going to win last week, and he's going to win this week. Don't even try. There's no point. This uh, is wasting your Drew time. Drew Locke was the best quarterback in the NFL this week. Um, he went out there in his second start, was absolutely dominant, destroyed a first-place team on the road, uh, has everyone talking about him as the future of the franchise, going to win AFC Rookie of the Week, might even win AFC Player of the Week. He unequivocally won this week. Cool. You finished with 25 seconds. Or you finished with five seconds. <laughs> with, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rudo, go. Ryan Graves won the oh. week. Less Great than a year time. ago, there was a conversation of whether this guy was ever going to make it into the NHL. This week, he put up three points in four games, including two goals, and has solidified himself as a consistent NHL defender, will have an NHL career. With the abs, he's playing in the top four right now because he has to and is more than keeping up. Okay. Mm. I really like Ryan Graves like He's a lot. He's been very, very gravy good. Gravy train. I saw so many people being like, what do you like your turkey with? Gravy. And then putting Ryan Graves gifts, and it was a little much for me. But No, it, embrace the gravy. <laughs> okay. Big gravy guy. All right, Adam, go. <laughs> I, that I can't see it. Like, look, the Nuggets did not win the week. They lost <laughs> four out of five. They're on a little bit of a lull. But I'm going to say that joy and optimism won the week. And here's what I mean. The Nuggets are mired in like this like – there's this cloud hanging over Nuggets fans, and when you step back from it all, you're like, what the heck are we doing being so miserable? Drew Locke provided this perfect example of it. I mean, how much fun is it to remember that small victories in sports are just as fun often as some of the bigger ones? So Time. Let him go. <laughs> Let <him> keep going. <laughs> I was on a roll. I was, no. No. no, that was it. I said yeah, optimism and joy. All right. And fun. I love that good people times. are going to have to vote against Locktimism, maybe? <laughs> no, they're going to have to vote, vote against Joy. Yeah. <laughs> Who won the week? Joy. All right, Drew. Drew Locke won the week. Because <laughs> <laughs> he plays quarterback and he won a football game. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. Don't you dare diminish what he did. <laughs> he plays quarterback in the NFL. He won a football game. Steven Strasburg won the week. He Played a near he got perfect thirty-one game. million dollars no, a year. No, no one the, cares about him. Pe that is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know why the Rockies won the week. No, they didn't. Tyler <laughs> Kinley, baby, they signed a righty who walks more than six guys per nine innings. Oh but my God. <laughs> he does wow. have like a three fifty-three ERA last year. They picked up a guy. They've added <laughs> two guys to their 40-man roster in an offseason where people are like they're not going to do anything. Well, technicality says you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I will pedantic you all to death. The okay. Rockies signed a uh, guy. You got me really excited about the Rockies. <laughs> <laughs> There's three candidates. All right, give me a vote for someone. 
Uh, Seriously. Drew Locke won the week. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't <laughs> undermine what he did then. Drew Locke had had a QBR of like 13 and a win, and it w- he would have won the week. The thing is, Drew Locke probably won last week when he did that, when he backed into a win against a bad team. Well, yeah, no. he, it, 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 <laughs> stopped, it stopped diminishing Drew Locke. He did not back into a win. I would never. All Drews are good. They, yeah. took, <laughs> they took the ball out of his hands last week. They did. The only they difference between brutal. last week and this week is they just let him keep doing it this week. It's true. All I actually right. agree with this take. Love it. Another Extender long, long podcast. <laughs> Thanks for everyone who <laughs> listens all the way through. Be sure to leave your comments and questions on the post on the DMVR.com. Leave us some nicer uh, reviews, maybe. Uh, <laughs> tell us how much you hate our personal Yeah, life. or tell us how much you hate us. As long that as you give us five stars, too. we don't care what you say. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.